Hmm, let's see. There's cool content, creative content, crafty content, but is it content that connects? And that's the story for so many fintechs and companies and financial services. Just because you create content doesn't mean that it has a holistic connection with your intended audience or that it connects to the people in your sales department and questions that they are aware of that want answers. And that's just for starters. You could call it the world of content considerations. And today, to give us an inside glimpse on how it can work and how it can succeed, content that is king and queen, we have Araminta Robertson of Mint Studios, here on Dave and Darm Demystify. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Darm Demystify show. Dave and Darm Demystify Show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Darm Mystery. Demystify. Welcome to today's episode, and we have Araminta Robertson from Mint Studios. So Araminta, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Hi, Dave. Hi, Darm. Nice to see you again. So what is it that we do? Mint Studios is a content marketing agency that focuses on helping fintech companies acquire customers with content via their blog. That's the short summary. Fantastic. Fantastic. In terms of the approach you take and what clients and prospects are kind of looking for, what is it that you're actually doing? Sure. So we follow a method, you can call it pain point SEO, which basically means we we make sure we understand a client's product, a client's target market, a client's company, and to basically uncover pain points of their customers. And then based on that research, we then create content that targets those pain points. And we found that with that strategy, we're able to create content that is more focused on conversions, on leads, rather than just traffic, which is what we've seen happens a lot in sometimes the content world. <laughs> so I was very intentional about building an agency that is much more aligned with businesses and saying, you know, let's create content that is focused on conversions, on leads, which is what at the end of the day, a business really cares about. And then, you know, further on, then we can talk about brand awareness and top of the funnel. You're really looking at content in a very active way. Yes. As part of the sales process for these businesses. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting point to start with, because many companies that I've worked with over the years, they wouldn't even know that that's something that they should really be thinking about in terms of their content. Exactly. There's four pillars to the way we work. So one is pain point SEO, which is what I've mentioned before, focusing on the pain points. The second one is that the content we produce is based on interviews with the experts in the fintech companies. I'm sure you've seen your fair share of B2B content that is like very beginner. It's not really focused. There'll be a tax product and it'll be talking about things like, what is tax? So we stay away from that and our content is really focused on interviews with the experts. So we can make sure that it's advanced, it's technical, it's talking about the product, all that stuff. 
The third pillar is distribution. So we don't just publish and wait. We do, we promote the content via ads. We'll talk to external influencers or experts to help promote the content. And then finally, what I mentioned earlier, everything is tracked so we can tell the client at the end of the month, here's how many conversions our content has generated. Here's the traffic. But at the end of the day, our goal is to eventually break even from costs. So that's kind of the four pillars of the way that we work. Happy to dive into more detail into one of these if you're interested. When you're thinking about content, would a company already have its brand positioning and everything else set up? And you're coming in to say, well, look, this is how to really sell the product. So you're coming in at a slightly later time or are you involved from the start of the process? Yeah, good question. So there's a few things we look for before working with a client. It is quite important to have brand positioning and messaging in place, because if not, how are we going to sell the product? It's also important to make sure you know who you're targeting, like who are your customers. So there's a few things we look for. You know, do you have product market fits? Are you able to acquire customers cold? That's quite important. So they've only acquired customers via their network then you know, we're not sure yet if they're able to acquire customers completely who don't know about their brand. So we look for that. We also look to see if they have experts in their team who can be interviewed. You know, If you're not an expert on the topic, then it will be tricky to create expert content. And then also, of course, we look at what they've done already and what's been working. So if they've already done a little bit of content and they've seen some good results, that's a really good sign. And it means that you know, let's take it to another level with an agency. So that's usually what we look for before working with someone. Can I ask a really naive question? Sure. As the show is to demystify stuff, right, we get to ask really stupid questions. But if I'm setting up a fintech, let's say it's a new kind of payment wallet because we haven't got enough wallets, you know, my remit would be just to get a load of people signed up. But why do I need content? And how really can it help me if I just want people to sign up and surely I just need a website, right? I wouldn't say everyone needs content. Right. And as I said before, we look for certain criteria before working with someone. So it depends. Like if you're just another wallet, then yeah, maybe content is probably not the most cost-effective method for getting signups. We see content really work well for complex topics because where you need to educate customers a lot or content works very well for fintech products where they do a lot of research, like customers will do a lot of research before signing up. So this is very common in the fintech space. You know, you've got tax, you've got pensions, people are going to want to do their research. We see it work very well if there's maybe one or two competitors. So it's not super competitive space, but, you know, there are one or two that have proven that it's doable. So, yeah, there's a few things. And you're right, you know, content doesn't work for everyone. It also depends on your goals. So as I've mentioned before, we create content that focuses on customer acquisition. There are people who will do content more for brand awareness, more for thought leadership. So maybe your wallet content won't work for signups, but it could work well for hiring. Hiring is a big issue right now in fintech. So maybe they'll create content for hiring. They'll create content for retention, current customers to educate them on certain things. So it depends a little bit on your goal. We're just very focused on content for signups, conversions. And you mentioned... SEO as sort of a part of this. So obviously Google is a front door mm -hmm. to many of these businesses. You know, I talk to companies who obsess about SEO and I sort of sometimes feel that's to the detriment of making that content really useful. Oh yeah. And that feels like it's not achieving the purpose of the content. So how do you balance these things out? Well, that's why our entire strategy is driven based on customer research. So before doing anything SEO related, we talk to the product team, the sales team, the CEO, 
And we're really trying to understand what will make our target market go to Google and do research? Like, what is the trigger? What is the pain point? And only then will we look at keywords and all the other SEO stuff, but it's really driven by customer pain points. And there are certain types of content where we forget about the keyword, we throw it out the window and we do it more for sales enablement. So stuff like pricing, pricing articles are really really, really valuable. So why is our pricing this way? It works very well for the sales team. And you'd be surprised people, you know, searching this up. These keyword tools are often not very reliable. So our foundation is customer research, understanding the company and all that stuff, rather than just trying to make everything SEO. In FinTech, you've got B2B propositions, you've got B2C propositions. Do you sort of see the challenges of those as different or... Are they, broadly speaking, kind of similar? I mean, I guess even if you're doing B2B, you're going to be starting with Google, you know. So is there any difference? Yeah, I would say there is. So B2C, you know, you've got customers. They're more likely to do some research online. So you'll have many more key phrases that you can try and rank for, basically. And often it's not as technical, the content. It does depend, but often it's not as technical. B2B, and this is where we've seen a big opportunity for B2B fintechs, A lot of B2B companies are focusing on like white papers and gated content. You'd be surprised at how you've got your CFO and your CTO that are maybe researching something that you can actually try and turn up for. So with B2B, the challenge is there's much fewer bottom of the funnel key phrases, but obviously the value of one customer or one lead is a lot higher. So actually there's a big opportunity to do content and SEO in that space because you don't need that many visits to make it worth it. And we often prefer working with B2B because it's like, actually, we just need five to 10 leads a month and you're already breaking even from content marketing costs. And if you're very focused on advanced technical pain point content, your CFO who's reading that is going to be really impressed and you know will then be more willing to reach out. So there's a big opportunity in B2B. I think the SEO is very popular in B2C, B2B companies should be looking at SEO in a different way and they'll see like a good opportunity there. You talk there about leads. When you work with a client, are you sort of saying, here's what we will have as our success metrics in terms of leads? Yeah. That's the bottom line, is it? We're very honest because as you know, with SEO, things will take a while. Nothing is ever guaranteed. The reason we set it up this way is because we wanted to be accountable for the metrics that a business really cares about. An increase in traffic does not equal an increase in leads and customers. So we want to be a lot more aligned with our clients. And that's why we track the conversions and the leads. We will have a goal, but we're always very honest and we'll say, look, this is never guaranteed. And we're just going to work towards that goal. And we'll create content that focuses on that goal, which is the bottom line. So yes, but also, you know, there's other benefits to content, of course. Going back to my startup roots, you know, every time we start a company, it always means learning new stuff because you don't have a lot of money. You're sacrificing, you know, a paid job for an idea that you have, right? But now I'm intrigued. How does somebody, A, afford to outsource some of this stuff? Because there is a need to do it these days because in the past, you just turn up with a developer and somebody that understands the business domain they put an app or something together and they can cobble up a website to get something going. But these days, even writing code means that you have to be an accountant so you can manage the cloud costs. It's a fine art. And then there are so many other skills required on the technology side to build something. And the same is true on the marketing side, right? Is that 
there's so many aspects to just writing the content, but it's doing the SEO and doing it in a way where actually you know that pound for pound, you've done it much more efficiently. So how does somebody afford this when it goes out to you know somebody like your company? That's why we only work with companies once they've reached a certain stage, because you're right, when you're very small, you probably cannot afford to work with an agency. And we get a lot of people who come to us and who are too early. And the key word is testing. If you're still testing, you're much better off working with a freelancer, usually. And I have my freelancer friends, so I always recommend them to. Agencies are when you've seen something that's working and you want to take it to another level. That's when agencies work really well. And so we're not going to help with the branding. There's some things that you need to have in place, product market fit, you know, for example, all that stuff. So if you're really early stage, you're better off working with freelancers. It's less risky in terms of cost. And you can also work more closely with them and kind of test and see what works and what doesn't. So we're always very honest. If someone's not a good fit and it's too early, we're like, well, here you go. You're better off working with a freelancer. You're better off doing ads, for example, because maybe you haven't been able to acquire customers cold just yet. So maybe you're better off doing ads. Maybe you're better off trying to focus on content that's more like frequently asked questions. So we only work with people who are a good fit and where we think it makes sense for sure. One of the things that I observe about the fintech industry, well, it's got technology in the name, so it is very biased towards technology. And actually, it's often quite difficult to get companies to really understand some of the basics around marketing. But I would imagine it's quite difficult to kind of get them to understand the power of content. So is that a fair thing to say as far as you're concerned? And B, if it is, how are you educating the audience or the potential audience about the power of content? Yes, there is definitely a lack because as we were talking earlier, a lot of fintech founders are more technical or they're focusing on the product, which is, you know, fair enough. There's a few things we've seen that will make someone start thinking about marketing. One is they've got a great product, but then they're like, oh no, I need to get customers. How do I do that? And that's when they really start thinking about marketing. The other one is we produce a lot of content ourselves. So we're doing, you know, webinars, we're doing a lot of content ourselves, like articles. We used to have a podcast, we've got the Slack group kind of thing. So we're like educating a lot, you know, and if you are on our newsletter and are just following me on LinkedIn and on Twitter and all that, then you'll be able to see. And our blog basically is telling people exactly how we do things. So if you wanted, you could just read all the stuff on our blog and do it yourself for sure. The reason we do that is because we really want to demonstrate and educate why content is really powerful in the fintech space. So it's a mix between you have a big need, you're like, we need customers. And also you're kind of like reading our content and following us and understanding why it works and are educated. So very rarely will someone come to us and say, you know, convince me, why do I need content? Because usually they already understand and they're already, because they've been following us for a while. Is it possible if you're doing this yourself, obviously you can write bad content, but can you really do any damage to yourself if you get it wrong? I haven't seen that bad damage because the goal is never to bash. You never want to dunk on the competitors. Like we never say bad things, never. And everything has sources. That's another important thing. If a FinTech tries to do the content strategy themselves, can, 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 is there any kind of self-harm they could do? because they're not necessarily the experts. Interesting question. I haven't seen anyone shoot themselves in the foot, really. I'm sure if there are, they've very quickly taken it down. So it's hard to tell. 
as long as you don't bash anyone and you're compliant, like a lot of fintech companies, we have to often send our content to the banking partners to make sure everything is compliant. So as long as it's compliant and you're not bashing on anyone and you're not being rude and all that stuff. Part of me is coming from the, you can waste an awful lot of time getting very little results and then blaming the fact that we've done content, we've done loads of content, it doesn't get anything, right? Yes. But actually... It was the content that was the problem. Yes, this is very common, especially in the SEO world. It's difficult because, you know, obviously you want to work with experts, but you also need to be in the right point, the right stage of your business to be able to work with experts. And that's why we're so focused on education and we want to educate. So we always chat with people and we're always giving advice. So, you know, we're always very happy to say maybe content doesn't make sense right now. And if it does, just be very careful about who you're working with. And then obviously the people that we recommend are vetted high quality. So it is really tricky and that's why you have to be careful. And that's why it's good to be educated to a certain point, right? How content works. And that's why if people follow what we produce, our newsletter, et cetera, then you'll know to a certain level what's a good agency and what isn't because you're right. You can waste a lot of money. And this is also one of the reasons why I set up this agency is because it was heartbreaking to see people throw money down the toilet, really and not get results. Dave, you can probably relate. I don't know if you've seen SEO consultants, SEO agencies that will charge huge amounts and then the results are just not there. And it's sad. SEO in particular, there's a lot of like backend stuff happening behind the scenes. There's a lot of scamming, basically you could call it. But if you do your research, rely on referrals and are a little bit educated on how the industry works, then you should be okay. But yes, you're right. It's tricky for sure. Just observationally, companies, people are, you know, myself included in terms of the work I've done, just very bad at telling our own stories. And sometimes actually having someone come from the outside who can then talk to you about this stuff, it unlocks a lot more. So I think you're right. There is a lot of people in the SEO industry, for instance, who aren't doing a great job because they're not focusing on the content, helping people unlock the stories and making that more active. Mm. Sometimes you do need an outsider to come along and do that. Yeah. One other thing that I've learned painfully as well is that sometimes you can write great content, but it gets wasted because it just gets put up on a website. You know, like, how am I going to get this promoted? It's a crying shame, really, that time will have been spent, good content will have been produced, but then it doesn't get to the audience, right? And that that's also a failing act. And that's why we always say, like, if you're just getting started and you don't want to invest in an agency and all that, the best thing to do, I would say, is like, forget about SEO, forget about keywords and just create content that is focused on your most frequent customers' questions. Because then you'll know at least that someone's reading it. So maybe they're asking specific tax questions or pricing is a great example because they're definitely going to be asking about pricing. So if you just want to get started, you don't want to risk too much and you want to make sure people read it, just focus on the stuff that you know customers are asking already. Like maybe you have a sales team and they're like, yeah, we really need something that helps us explain this part of the product or whatever. So yeah, content that helps the sales team, content that answers customers' questions. Another one is content that answers questions in a community. So if you're part of a forum, Slack group, and you see this question popping up a lot, creating an article that answers it is guaranteed to get you people reading it. So there's a few things you can do. One example of a company that does this really well is Argyle. They're a B2B company, and we had the head of marketing on our podcast. And she told us that their content, it is technical and it is advanced, but it's purely based on customers' questions. There's no like SEO stuff happening. And if you go to their website, their blog and content is really good. So not everything has to be SEO, 
But I do understand what you're saying. Like when you create a piece, you do want people to read it. And that is tricky. I mean, there's no denying, but there's a few ways that you can try and increase your chances of that happening. I mean, a lot of the content is going to be long form, but then there's opportunities to kind of share that, like in terms of social media. Are you working then with companies to say, well, here's a LinkedIn post that you could put up. So you kind of thinking more broadly than just the content on the website itself. At the moment, we only do content on the website and you can say our main distribution channel is going to be SEO and then the ads that I mentioned and working with external influencers, if it makes sense. Social media or LinkedIn, it's another skill set. And if it's just posting the article on LinkedIn, usually they would take care of that. If it's part of a broader strategy, then we would refer them on to an expert because we're not experts in social media. And I think it's just another skill set. And it also depends so much on the product and your target market. Social media is kind of fickle in the sense that, you know, you get your traffic in a week and then it's gone. So it's not really scalable, but it depends. There are obviously experts in things like LinkedIn and social media, but I sort of do wonder about that expertise sometimes. Yeah. You know, driving people in from a LinkedIn article doesn't necessarily mean you're driving the right people. Exactly. In the report that you did, right, with Whitesight, I think it proved very well that most companies don't know how to do social media, fintech companies, right? And New Bank is like an example of a really good fintech. You know, they're doing a really great job. See, I think the thing which really struck me about New Bank was A, they put content as a pillar from the start, but B, they're so connected to their customer services people, the content people, that they're listening to what's going on in terms of phone calls and turning that into, oh my God, there's a gap here. Let's turn that into a piece of content and use that. That whole connection goes back to what you said right at the start is you start with a problem and work from there. And I think New Bank, that's really what they do. Anybody can do that. It's just nobody is doing that other than New Bank. So, yeah, I totally agree. And this is actually what we found is another useful reason to hire an agency like ourselves or another agency is we are often the bridge between the sales team and the marketing team. So a big part of the content we produce is going to be based on interviews with the sales team, right? Because we want to make sure that we're writing stuff that people really want to read. And we found that some marketing departments haven't really been talking to the sales team. And we're like, there's so much opportunity here that we're hearing from the sales team. And they're like, oh my God, I hadn't thought of that. And so bridging that gap, like it's a big part of what we do. And yeah, you're right. The old devil of silos again, you know, I don't mean to be rude to the marketing industry, but often people are confused about what marketing should do. A lot of the people who are in marketing in fintechs tend to be more brand marketers. It's sort of like when people talk about this stuff, they forget that there's lots of different roles which sit inside that. We're kind of coming up to the end of our time, but before we leave, can I ask, if you could give one piece of advice to a fintech, what's the one golden nugget that most people need? Other than talk to Araminta. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're always happy to chat and offer advice. Like it's not all, oh yeah, let's get clients. So we're always very happy to give advice if you're not sure. One piece of advice is if you have a sales team, talk to them, ask them what are the most frequent questions that customers are asking and then create content based on that. If you don't have a sales team, go to customer service. If you don't have a customer service team, just intuitively, hopefully you know what your customers need. If you don't know that, then time to do customer research, I would say. Then based on customer research 
and understanding pain points and all that. Create content that focuses on that because you can't go wrong with that. You know, you're answering customer questions. People are going to read it and you're going to offer a better experience to them because they'll be understanding your product better or your industry. That's a good place to start. And maybe if you can write the articles yourself so you learn a little bit how to do it. If that's not possible, work with a freelancer who interviews you or the experts on the team. But yeah, I think testing, starting small is a good way if you have limited resources. And if you need recommendations to freelancers, we've got plenty on our website. Amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. It's a great topic to get involved with and it's been really interesting to get your perspective. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And I will be in touch because I (laughs) could do some advice. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.